what God has been teaching me this year is uh, that I am revival. And those beliefs that were stated are my core beliefs, as well as the rest of the students at BSSM. And it's something that they strongly, strongly encourage us to study, strongly encourage us to learn, and strongly encourage us to live. So, this morning, you know, it was kind of funny. I I wasn't sure what, what to share, although I knew kind of where my main main message would go. Um, I think it's very fitting for, for what this church is going to. Um, the last couple of weeks, I've, I've been hearing some of the same kind of theme going on, and especially this morning with what Matt was sharing uh, with the whole, you know, it's, it's time. You know, it's time to ra- rise up, church. It's time to go. Um, it was funny because I was just listening to, uh, the message, was it four weeks ago when Marion was here and he shared his vision that he had? I just listened to that online and, you know, his vision and then, you know, Jeff's testimony with, uh, you know, going to the Dells and what happened there. And then last week, you know, Matt and Matthew both talked about a little bit about, you know, it's time to go. And then this morning, so I think it's, it's a reoccurring theme, and it was funny because it was kind of what I wanted to talk about. It was, you know, it's time to go, church. It's time to get up and go preach the message, the simple gospel, and let the Holy Spirit evangelize with signs, miracles, and wonders. Thank you, Mike Snicker, for that. <laughs> um, so a little of what I'm going to share is just... Uh, What's on my heart, a little of testimony, what's been going on for the last four months, and then maybe we'll do some activation, kind of get you guys involved a little bit, and not just sit there and watch me, because that's what, that's what the gospel's about, activation. So. Um, so let's just pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for, for being here, Father. We just ask that you would just help us become more aware, more aware of what you're doing, what you're saying. Father, help us to not just go home hearing a a good message, but going home hearing something that you, you have put on our hearts, something that is timely for, for now, Father. Father, thank you. Thank you for the people here. Thank you for the congregation. Thank you for speaking life into us. Thank you for your spirit. We praise you. Glorify you. In Jesus' name. Amen. So... Um, before I get going, I have a word of knowledge because that's what we do out there is we learn how to 
receive words, words of knowledge. And so I was laying in bed actually last night and I got this word of knowledge and I'm like, okay, well, I'll just write it down. You know, if, if it happens, it happens. You know, it's, I'm just stepping out. So someone got um, a left ear that like either has problems with their left ear or hearing problems or earache or anyone? Mary? Anyone else? Okay, so I feel like we're supposed to pray for that, and that's going to be healed today. And so, actually, I am going to allow you guys to pray for her, because it's not all about the preacher up in front. It's about everyone in, in the congregation. We are all the ministry team. And so, if, Mary, you want to stand up, and then we can have a couple people surround her. And also, has anyone else got any healing that they need? If you do, just stand up and then just have you guys surround her. And you guys are the team, so come on. Up and at them. <laughs> I don't want you sitting on your butts. I love you, but. So if anyone needs healing, raise your hand, and then we'll have people come and surround you and pray for them. So, Father, we thank you that you are a good God and that good comes from you. We know that sickness is not from you. So, Father, we rebuke the sickness and we just speak to our bodies and we say, align with the kingdom of heaven in Jesus' name. Speak that ears should be open, clear. Speak that any muscles need to be healing, that they would be healed, that they be relaxed, that anything that is not of you would leave in Jesus' name. And then if, if you're praying, just ask them to test it out. See if it's gotten any better, if they can test it out. Ask them if they can test it out. Ask them if there's any difference. On a scale of 0 to 10, ask them uh, what, where the pain is, or where was it, and where is it now. And if they still need to be prayer, pray again.
All right. See, that wasn't too hard, was it? It's that simple, church. It's that simple. Just stepping out in faith. It's simple. But sometimes it feels like you're taking a risk. You know, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Faith is, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. And this morning, the Holy Spirit kind of, he didn't really want me to prepare a message per se. He gave me the topics of what to say. I got notes here. But he didn't want to be like, I want you to put it as speech. Like, so this message that I'm going to speak to you today is not like anyone that I've ever spoke before because it's more being led by the Spirit. And for me, that's, today, this is faith. This is R-I-S-K. And, uh, you know, if, if it goes south, <laughs> I'm going back to, I, I, I go back to California tomorrow morning, so you don't have to see me for five months. So... <laughs> But another uh, just verse, I don't know why God gives me verses, but <laughs> he, uh, he, he's put this one on my heart. I'm not exactly sure how it's going to tie into everything, but it will. He always makes it tie into everything. But uh, the verse that's been really on my heart is Romans eight nineteen, And it says, For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits... For the revealing of the sons of God. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. And, uh, you know, in this verse, it's, it's talking about the sons of God, which are correct. And that creation is eagerly waiting. What are they waiting for? Come on. Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and, and, and if you go, actually, before this verse it talks about for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us and then also there's a note that says it can be to us as well so his glory which which in the as I believe in the Hebrew is uh, doxa and it means splendor radiance majesty his glory is going to be shown through us in us and to us. Come on, so good. Um, so I feel that, you know, this whole verse t- kind of talks, this section talks about, you know, going from the suffering of the glory, you know, we're going to get persecuted per se, but not, I mean, the world hates us. It's part of the whole walking out in faith. It's part of the whole being Christian. Satan's not going to like it and he's going to, you know, cause things to come against us. But I feel that, you know, we have to go through the suffering, but then what comes after the suffering is the glory. The glory. The glory, we go through the suffering and we go out with the glory. The glory in us, glory to us, and glory through us. 
So today I'm going to share, I think, three key points that um, I feel are very, very key to supernatural ministry, to going out and revealing to the world who Jesus is. Because I really, really feel like now is the time that we need to step out, step up and step out. I really feel the time has come. You know, um, when we started this church, you know, one of the things that we wanted to do was equip the people to go out, you know, be more of an equipping center, and then we go out and do ministry during the week. And I feel that time has come and that it's time for us to go out. You know, we've gotten teaching of, you know, who we are and, you know, at least I know over half of the congregation knows who they are in Christ. So that's not much of a you know, key issue. I think right now the key issue is learning how, how do we go out and how do we show the world who Jesus is. And so in order to do that, I feel that we need to know who we are in Christ. Two, I feel that we need to know how to be aware of the presence so enough that we can host him and that we can go out with him on his shoulder and go and co-labor with him. I also feel that once we know who we are, once we host the presence, that it's time to go. And to go with love and honor. So, who are we? Like I said, most of the congregation kind of knows who we are in Christ. But I'm going to remind you for those that, you know, might still be struggling with this or needs needs to visit this a little bit. Um, You know, in in Romans 8, which I love this chapter. It's, I think it's my favorite chapter of the whole Bible. Um, In Romans 8, we can look at verses 15 and 16 and 17. And it says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So we are adopted as royalty. We are adopted as sons and daughters of Christ, and we are co-heiring with Jesus. That's so cool. Like, come on. I'm sorry. I just think, like, that just is like, like, here's Jesus doing his miracles, and it's like, hey, brother, how you doing? <laughs> you know, we got the same, like, we're co-heiring. He's not, he's not really above us. He's not below us. He's with us. I mean, that's, come on. <laughs> By the way, I will say come on a lot. It is a phrase that <laughs> they, they say out there, come on, and so good. <laughs> Just a little bit. Come on. So, um, next, I want to visit... 2 Corinthians 5.21. 
And here it says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So who are we? We're righteous. And then, even before that, in verse 20, it talks about, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So who are we? We're ambassadors. That's right. And as ambassadors, what do ambassadors do? They represent. They represent Jesus to the world. Or, I like to take represent. And twist it a little bit. We, <laughs> we re-present Jesus to the world. We're representing Jesus to the world in a way that has never been done before. The way that probably should be done. <laughs> I have to make it formal, so I have to read some scripture Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> so Galatians 2.20. I'm going to look at that quick. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So we have Christ in us. We are able to show the world Christ just be, by being who God created us to be. Another thing about this whole identity thing that you know, I, I've, I've been learning is your environment will imitate your beliefs. Your environment will imitate your beliefs. So, say, I believe I am poor. My environment will imitate that. Or if I believe I am rich, my environment will imitate that. There's a story out there, and I'm not sure if I'll get 100% of it correct, but the majority of it, it's, it's correct. Um, there's a story of a king and a prisoner. And the king decides to switch places with the prisoner. This king lives in this beautiful mansion, you know, it's gold carried, you know, walls and ceilings, amazing, you know, hallelujah. But <laughs> this prisoner is living in this dump. It's absolutely horrible, absolutely, you know, filth and whatnot. So they decide, they, they do this experience, they switch the people. The king goes into the prison. And the prisoner goes to be in the palace. After, you know, some time, the palace starts looking like crap. Starts looking like filth. Starts looking like the waste dump. But the prison, it's all lined with gold. It's, it's just as good as that palace. It used to be. Why is it? It's because that, it's because that prince had that mentality of that he's a prince. No matter where he was, he was a prince. And the prisoner had the mentality that he was a prisoner, that even though he was free, 
and could, had all this wealth, he still lived like a prisoner because of his beliefs. And so our beliefs, what we see ourselves as, our identity, if we see ourselves as prince and princesses, we will live like that. Our environment will imitate what our, we believe. Our environment will start looking like a royal priesthood is supposed to look. But if we still live in the sin, sin nature, we're still going to struggle with sin because our environment is still imitating what our beliefs are. We're still going to have that struggle. So with that, knowing your identity is huge when you go out and, and preach the gospel. Knowing your identity is like it's huge. I, I just can't put, put anything on it. It's huge. Because, you know, if you believe that you have greatness in you, if you believe that you are brave because he made you brave and that you're bold because he made you bold, you're going to go and start walking in boldness. You're going to start walking in braveness. You're going to start walking in the way that a prince and a princess and an ambassador of God is supposed to walk. It's not, it's not about having things that qualify us. It's about knowing who you are. It is so huge. I cannot, I cannot literate that enough. It's so huge. You've got to know who you are as a prince and princess. Because this world is going to eat you up if you don't. You are great because he is great and he is inside you. Be the person that God created you to be because he created you for a specific person, purpose, a specific person, a specific identity. You know, if I go out and try to be Jeff, which some days I don't know if I want to be. Sorry, Jeff, I got to pick on you. If I try to be Jeff, I'm not going to excel in that because that's not who God created me to be. If I try to go and be Bill Johnson, even though he's an amazing guy, I'm not going to be the great person that God created me to be because God created me to be me. God created you to be you. And if you're not living with that expectation of this is who God created me to be, then, man, I just feel sorry for you. (laughs) (laughs) actually I want to literate this just a little bit more and then we'll go on who's seen the Lego movie (laughs) the Lego movie is I've only seen it once but just after seeing it once it became my favorite movie because of the message it portrays I don't know who the Lego man is. Do you guys? Who's the name of the Lego guy? I know it's the special, but what's his? I don't know. So there's this, there's, this, there's this Lego man, and he works in the construction site, and everything is kind of followed this way, eat this way, do this thing. It's all kind of symmetry. Everyone does the same thing. There's no, no nothing special about it. All of a sudden, this guy's at his construction zone, and he sees this woman there searching for the special. 
It was prophesied that there would be someone called the special that could help and take over Mr. Crackle or <laughs> Lord Business. Emmett, okay. Sorry. But you, you get the idea. So anyways, so he's trying to, this prophecy has been told that there is someone called the special and he's going to be able to take over Lord Business and who is trying to take over this world and make everything symmetry and, and whatnot. And so this guy named Emmett, he's this, sees this woman, and she's like, are you the special? And he's like, yeah, I am. Just pretending to be, the, you know, he's like, I've never been anyone in my life, you know, I want to be the special. So he, you know, was like, yeah, sure, I am. And so in the movie, they find out that he's technically not the special, and... But in the ending, it talks about how the, the, whoever made the prophecy came back and said, the prophecy was fake, by one. There is no special. But two, the special is you. Because what's special is inside of you. You have what it takes to conquer the world. You have what it takes to show the world who Jesus is. Because Jesus is in you, and he made that to be in you as well. So you don't have to be this great special or great evangelism. Just be who you were made to be. Be who God created you to be. So once we know who we are, we have to learn how to host the presence and how to become aware of what the presence is and and what the presence is doing. And I have a couple testimonies in here I will share. But one thing that I want to share is don't withhold your testimonies. If you have a testimony, don't withhold it. Because if you're withholding your testimony, you're withholding the praise to God. You're, you're withholding the opportunity for people to give praise to God. So, um, just a, a, a quick testimony of kind of what has been going on. Um, one of the first, I think it was in September, we had a, just our revival group. Our revival group is about 60 to 70 students. There's 1,200 students in the first year. And then they are split into groups of 60 to 70 students called revival groups. <clears throat> Each revival group has got a pastor that leads them. And then there's also interns under the pastor that are actually third-year students that are under the pastors. So anyways, in my revival group in September, we went out and we just wanted to do a worship night and under the sundial bridge. And the sundial bridge is a bridge, and then at the end of it, it's got a sundial. And so that's why it's called the sundial bridge. <laughs> so anyways, we were under the sundial bridge <clears throat> doing worship, and actually, before I went out and did worship, I'm like, I, I can't go to do worship because I got homework and whatnot. And I posted this on Facebook, and I told them, you know, I can't go out. I got homework. Ten minutes later, I hear the Holy Spirit say, you're going to worship, and you're taking your djembe. I'm like, okay. So I honored the Holy Spirit and what he said, and I went down there, and I brought my djembe. And we started playing. And... After we were done playing, uh, one of the guys in my revival groups came up and said, hey, have you met 
I don't know what his name, I think it was like Mark or something. Have you met Mark? I'm like, no, why? He's like, no, you got to come meet him. I'm like, okay. So I'm like, so Mark, what brought you out tonight? I heard the beat of the drum. I'm like, really? Yeah, and then, and then these guys prayed for me and my back got healed and all this. I'm like, really? So you came because you heard the beat of the drum? Yeah, I was up there and I'm like, hey, are you hear that? And people were like, yeah, it's at the, you know, end of the bridge. If I wasn't, one, if I wasn't being aware of what the Holy Spirit was saying, and two, if I wasn't obedient, that guy wouldn't have had an opportunity to get healed. Like, God put me down there just for that gentleman. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> we have to walk in such a way that the Holy Spirit is always in mind. You know, the, the dove came and rested on Jesus and just rested and perched there. If we're to walk, how are we to walk with a dove perching on us? Carefully. But we're to walk in such a way that the dove is always in mind. And that whatever I do, wherever I go, I will always have that dove in mind. I will always have the spirit in mind. I will always be aware of what he's saying. I will always be aware of what he's doing. When we are conscious of the presence, our impact on influencing the world around us will increase. We need to yield and be aware of what the Spirit is doing and what the Spirit is saying, because it is yielded people that God rests upon. These are the people that carries God into life situations. The other thing about this is um, that I think is so cool about, you know, being aware of the Holy Spirit and hosting the Holy Spirit is in Judges 6, it talks about how Gideon uh, was used and how God used him to defeat the Midianites and save Israel. But also in Judges 6, it says something very specific. And it's said at least three times in the Bible. And so I'm going to turn there. If you guys want to turn with me, it's so in Judges six, verse thirty-four, it says, "But the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and then he blew the trumpet, and the Abiezrites." gathered around him, or behind him. And so another, the literal context of this, of the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, is that the Spirit of the Lord clothed himself with Gideon. He put Gideon on like a glove, in other words. So if I put, if I have a hand, my hand is the Holy Spirit, and I put it on a glove, the outside looks like me, the inside is the Holy Spirit. So good. <laughs> um, 
when we learn to hold the presence, when we become aware of the Holy Spirit and what he's doing, he will put us on like a glove. And then we will be able to walk out. And yes, people see us, our face, but what's really happening is the Holy Spirit is ministering. Because the Holy Spirit is inside you. So we need to always be aware of what the Spirit is doing so that we can be anointed to go out, which we are, so that we can be put on like a glove because Christ is in us and so that people can see Christ through us. Another thing that I feel is key with the whole hosting the presence is if we need an increase, just start praising God. You know, praise him. Because he inhabits our praises. He inhabits our praises. And so if we need, if we feel like, you know, Holy Spirit, where are you? Just start praising him. Start praising him. Bill Johnson says, you know, when he lays down at night, you know, he'll, if he wants to have an encounter or just like soak with the Spirit, he'll just start praising. He starts praising him because as soon as you start praising him, he's going to come because he inhabits, he lives in our praises. So sometimes too, I also think that the problem isn't necessarily that we need to increase, but that we need to just be more aware. You know, sometimes we're like, Holy Spirit more, Holy Spirit more, Holy Spirit more. No, we should be like us more. Like, where are you? Like, tune our ears to hear because he is with us. He's never going to leave us. So technically, he's always with us. It's just we need to be aware of what he's doing. By stewarding and hosting the presence of God well, impossible dreams can be accomplished. It's God's intention that the whole world be filled with his glory through those who host him well and those who are yielded to the Spirit. It's God's intention that the whole world be filled with his glory through those who host him well. So if we host the presence, we get to be those people. We get to be those people that gets to show the world his glory. That's so cool. I think, I think once we know, know how to host him well, learn what he's doing, become aware of what he's doing and what he's saying, we need to go. Because more than likely, he's going to tell us something of where to go or what to say. And so then it's our opportunity. It's our opportunity to step up and to go. But we need to go with love and honor. And so like I, I said earlier, I feel like it's time for this church to go. I feel like... You know, our part of the vision was that we equip each other, but then we go out during the weeks. And I feel like it is time, church. God is not looking for a degree or a pedigree, but he's looking for someone whose life is going to be full of yeses. 
When you say yes to God, it changes everything. Revival has a lot to do with yes or with choices. Saying yes to God on a constant basis every day. Once you say yes enough, it moves from belief to conviction. And conviction equals unwavering. So when we are convicted in our spirit, we believe we've been born for such a time as this. And we begin to make a difference in the world. God's not looking for us to know the right answer. He's not looking for us to have it all together. He's just looking to us to to say yes and to be obedient. I think the primary tool of the enemy is introspection. And it's, it's something that gets us so tied up in you know, being focused in the never-ending fix-me. And when we are always looking at, okay, how do I fix me? We're going to be so tied up in that that we won't go. We had a a demonstration. um, It was kind of a demonstration. And it was uh, Chris Overstreet was there. And he was talking about, you know, sometimes... We have churches that plan and plan and plan and how are we going to do this and what's the best way to do this and all the business minds come together and we're like, okay, what's the right way to do this? So we have these people on this side and they're all chatting, blah, 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 blah. And then on this side, we got one person that's so fired. Yeah, he's maybe got some things that you know God still has to work on. But he's so fired up, and he just wants to go save the world. And all of a sudden, he's like, dude, you need Jesus. <laughs> and you become saved. And then, get up. And then you got two people. And then two people go out, and you get more people saved. And you're saved. And all of a sudden, you got four people. And it multiplies, and it multiplies, and it multiplies, and it multiplies. And soon enough, this whole room will be saved. Well, I hope. They're saved already, but soon enough, the whole room will be saved. Well, all of this whole time, these people are still talking. So how are we going to do this? It's not about having this extravagant plan. It's not about the Holy Spirit coming down and being like, ah, it's not about the skies parting and, you know, earthquakes happening. It's about saying yes to the one who created us. It's about saying, Lord, I might not have it all to get put together, but I love you so much that I want this world to know who you are and what your love is. You know, you look in, in, in Luke 9, and it talks about uh, the, the apostles. And I'm not going to go there, but some of what it talks about is um, in Luke 9:51 specifically, the apostles were there, apostles were there kind of discussing, and he's, they're like, who was the greatest of these, and who did the most miracles, and who did this, and who did that? And they're so, not humble, but they're, they're so, like, willing to go. 
And Jesus didn't stop them. Jesus is like, no. I mean, they're like plotting. It's like, okay, Lord, who do you want me to kill? Like, I'll go cast a you know, spell on that person to get murdered. Like, these guys are out of their mind. And, but Jesus doesn't say stop. He actually sends them out after that. Sends, he sends them out, and uh, I don't know, it was like 70 or something. So, you know, he didn't like put a stop to it. He's just like, no, just keep going. Just keep doing. Because it's when we know, it's when we know what our call is, and it's when we're doing it that it will be perfected. When we keep doing it, it will be perfected. It's not just sitting there and being like, well, I got to fix this of me, and I got, I, this isn't right, and you know, I still need more of your spirit, and I still need to be humbled by you. Yeah, that's good. That's good. But if you're not moving, God can't use it. God can't, you know, it's so hard to determine where you are on things unless you're doing something. Like, when, I, when I'm drumming, like, when I started, like, I was mediocre. I didn't know, I mean, I've played in high school and stuff. But because I kept doing it, my skills got perfected. My skills got better, and, and now I'm able to do things that I wasn't able to do. But if I would have sat there and been like, well, I got to work on this, and I got to work on that, and I wouldn't have been able to know where I was because I wasn't actually going and doing it. And so I think a lot of times the enemy makes us so introspected of, okay, I got to fix this and fix that, that we are not focused on what God is doing. And we're not focused on moving in his power. Don't wait 10 years for your character to be developed. Focus on the compassion and the kindness that he has given you. Focus on what he's doing, focus on what he has done, and focus on what he's going to do. And so once we start moving out, I think we need to learn how to move out in a way that we honor. That when we go out and we preach the gospel, and I see you on the street, and uh, you're... (laughs) You're walking, and, and I come up to you and be like, Sir, sir, do you need to be here? I, I, I love you, and uh, you're on my treasure map, and do you, do you want a prayer? I can pray for you. No, no, I got, I, I got to go to a meeting. I got to be there in 10 minutes. But sir, sir, are you sure Jesus died for you? He loves you. No, no, I got to go. I, sir, sir. That is not honoring. I'm sorry. That is also not loving. Because it is an honor that we love. And it's when we honor the people in front of us that we are, on, we are loving them. So when you go out and do ministry, don't go out there and try to beat the Bible into people or, you know, sometimes you feel like you want to, but don't do it. Go out there and love them and honor them and honor their time, honor their beliefs. Honor, you know, honor who they are. Honor them and then if they, say I got a drug addict right here and he's like, I don't deserve prayer, I don't deserve prayer, da da da, you know, he's just so down on himself. 
I've done this. I've done every worst thing in the book. I don't deserve prayer. I don't deserve God. Honor that. Don't go and be like, you, you know, don't be like, you need prayer right now and Jesus will save you. Honor him. But at the same, pull the gold out of him. Chris Valentin is uh, an amazing guy, one of my favorite teachers, and he, his, his gift is uh, prophecy. And so he talks a lot about uh, being prophetic and doing some of that. Actually, he had a whole week about a week of prophecy and learning different things with, the prof- with prophecy and the office of a prophetic. And one of the things that he says in, in, in prophecy, prophecy, we are pulling the gold out of people. We are looking through the dirt and pulling the gold out. And we are all called to prophesy. We are all called to prophesy. We all may not be in the office of a prophetic, but we are all called to prophesy. And so with this gentleman, if he's a drug addict, you know, I'd be be looking at him and I'd be like, Sir, you're a great father. Your kids love you. You are, you know, and just start declaring and bringing forth and proclaiming who God says he is. Because you know what? It takes a supernatural mind to see the gold in someone. Any person can walk up to him and say, yeah, you're junk, you live on the streets, and you do drugs, you need to go to rehab. Any person can do that. But it takes a supernatural mind and a person who has got Christ in them to pull the gold out of them. So when we go out, we need to pull the gold out of the people and say, Jesus loves you. He died for you. You matter. You are a great parent. Your kids love you. You're going to be a successful person someday. And just start, you know, and the guy's like, but I don't believe it. Just keep holding it. Keep holding it. And finally, he will see it. With the Lord's help, he will see who he's destined to be. Because we were all, at some point in our lives, this dirty person and didn't believe we were anything. And then we had either the Holy Spirit or someone in our lives that started pulling gold out of us. And if you don't, I encourage you to find someone here and just have them start prophesying and pulling gold out of you because it's huge. I'm almost done. I just wrote a bunch of notes down and it's like I don't know how it's all going to go together so but it's going well I think there's something I actually wanted to pull out Um, this is a book by Chris Overstreet it's called The Practical Guide to Supernatural Evangelism or to Evangelism Supernaturally and uh, he talks about fear you know a lot of times I feel that Okay, we know who we are, we can hear the Spirit. We know how to do these things, but we struggle with fear. Fear of man, fear of you name it. And so, this is just a little bit he wrote um, in his book. And this section is called Love Has No Fear. It says, God's love establishes perfect identity. When we know who we are, we're not afraid to step out and do things God says we can do. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. Being chosen is empowering. 
It empowers us because we know we are loved. This means we are no longer stepping out for the favor of God. Now we step out from the favor of God. When we know this, we know that God is with us and his hands are upon us. This changes our expectations for what God can do through us because he has chosen to use us. He wants us to proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness into marvelous light. What we meditate on is what we become. God commanded Joshua to be strong and be very courageous. Then God gave him insight on how to be strong and very courageous. Joshua set himself up for success by speaking God's word and meditating on it day and night. The definition for meditate is to muse over, ponder, to plan in the mind, to purpose or attend. The Greek word means to revolve something in the mind, and it also translated to imagine. Meditating and declaring God's promises are vital for you to become everything you have been created to be. Our words have power behind them. We can either bring life or death through our spoken words. In my life, I have found that declaring God's word over my life empowers me to walk in the love that overcomes fear. God's love establishes perfect identity. When we know who we are, we're not afraid to step out. It's his love that we need to show the world. It's his love that when we go out and people say no, that they're refusing his love, not us. When we know who our identity is and we know when we're accepted, we can't be rejected because we know we're accepted. They're they're rejecting him and not us. If we are willing to regularly submit ourselves to the leading of the Holy Spirit, and we'll choose to live a lifestyle of risk, we will be the supernatural answer the world is looking for. I feel there is a spirit of fear in here, and it needs to be broken. It's a spirit of fear of man. And it needs to be broken. And so, Father, I proclaim, I proclaim that we would not fear, but we would have a mind of strength mind of courage, mind of bravery. I break off the spirit of fear. I break off the spirit of fear and I say no more. We are a chosen generation and Christ lives in us. We have the power of him. Where there is love, there is no fear. Perfect love casts out fear. 
And so your love, Father, casts out any fear of man. Because you love us so much that you gave your son to die for us. Father, I just pray that the minds of those who struggle with the fear of man would be transformed. And that this lie that the enemy puts up that you're not good enough. Your words don't mean anything. You're still living in sin. That those would be broken in Jesus' name. And we just laugh at the enemy. We laugh at him. Because those lies mean nothing. Because we know who we are. We know that we are the generation that God has chosen to show this world his love. We know that Christ lives in with, in, within us. I thank you, Father. I thank you that those fears would be replaced with truth. Father, I just ask now that you would show us what the truth is to replace that lie. Holy Spirit, show us who we are. Holy Spirit, help us to live in that truth. In Jesus' name. So, I feel now that we are no longer afraid of man, He is calling us into the deep. He is calling us beyond where we've ever been. But with that call, he also empowers us. We don't need to rely on our own strength because he is the one that makes us brave. He is the one that makes us bold. If Nan and Terry can come up. I chose the song this morning, He Makes Me Brave, for a reason. And the reason was, one, it's a good song. But two, I feel there's something in that. Because he's the one that is championing us. He's the one that is calling out the greatness in us. Because you are great, and you are brave, and you are bold. And I think, now that it's the new year, I think it's time to step up. You know, we might not have resolutions, but I feel like it's time for this church to be challenged. I think it's time for this church to rise up. In Isaiah 60, verse 1, 
It says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory rises upon you. So church, where are you? Because it's time. It's time to be bold. It's time to be brave. It's time to rise and shine.